0: Greetings and welcome to, it. this is When Highbury Was Home, a loud group podcast presentation, and I am your host, True Story. Thank you for joining us on this year, episode 22. We'd just like to take a moment of silence, knowing that a legend in the Arsenal fan base has transcended into, you know, the next life and Claude, somebody who, those of us who grew accustomed to watching Arsenal fan TV, Enjoyed his commentary from a different generation. You know, being a younger fan, just gave a different context to things. And just like to take a moment of silence to say peace and farewell. Yeah, Chairman, peace to you, Claude. It's the return of domestic football, though post international break and one of those things where with everything that was going on we also just took a break and said we'll do a preview coming into the Liverpool game so my review the West Ham game instead of just doing a one source review podcast in the middle of that it was it was a bit heavy in that regard so yeah the West Ham game was one of those things where coming into it I was rather confident feeling as if it's a London derby, we're coming off the back of winning one, let's go into this one and win this one too. Yeah, West Ham are one of those teams where right now they're doing well, and even when they're not doing well, they find ways to compete, you know, and they prove that against us, you know, they were up 3-0 in the first 32 minutes, and from then on it was an uphill battle for us to come back, yet we did, find a way to come back in 3-3 to take that away from the game and whatever takeaways we can take from the game is what we're going to try to do right now and it's it was a hard one to watch you know like for all the position we had you know 64% ball position to their 36% the shots were still equal you know 15 to to our 16 you know five on target to our seven it's one of those things where they were there or thereabouts without having to be too much in the game. And it's one of those things that worried me personally, realizing that we don't have that killer instinct yet, that cutting edge yet that we have to develop as a football club, knowing that when you end games like this, especially when you have to come back, you know, we've seen games like the class, we're always going to reference those, but the good teams in this league have always been teams like, teams that know how to come back from being 3-0 down and win the game 5-3 where you look at the score you're like oh the other team look like they had a chance when you actually look at the tail of the tape you're like okay they actually didn't they had a 30 minutes spot where they they gave it their all and then it was domination from there on in. We kind of don't have that yet you know and it's one of those things where my takeaways from the game is that we have players that were rotated into the squad as a result of the manager wanting to say, let's freshen the pack up coming from Europa League. We just gained qualification in the quarterfinal. That's great. I understand that yet, that rationale, knowing that we have an international break thereafter. It's one of those things that you're saying to Miguel then what is really the logic behind it? Is it rotation for rotation's sake or is it rotation because we have some fatigue players? Because you see that we do have some fatigue players that shouldn't have been playing T and Tierney, Bukayo Saka maybe, knowing that they're probably going to go on international break, yet they play ahead of players who may not even go on international break, bro. It's, it's one of those things where the toss-up yet will take the takeaways as it is, man. When the manager backs you, you need to stand up and be counted. At the end of the day, Callum Chambers did just that, where... Mandam coming off an ACI injury, come back into the squad, game before against Burnley, Then when he was in the squad he did well, coming against West Ham and you put that type of performance, you even make a man like me think like, wow, if he can stay fit, we have an option there where he can be a backup right wing back, because he's versatile enough, where he can be a B grade Joshua Kimmich, offering us versatility at right back, right wing back, central defensive midfield, centre back as well. I like that, I like that. And he hasn't had a chance to prove himself at Arsenal yet, You know, so it's one of those things where I'd love to see it down the line. Manager backed him and he showcased, you know, gratitude in the manager by giving a performance, and I appreciate seeing that, no care, bro. America Boomer Young start on the right wing I don't understand it and I know the manager realised he made an error where 20 minutes in with two goals down and you switch him and Bukai side, and you realise the tracking bag wasn't there the offensive prowess is not going to be there because on the right side where he's not accustomed to even getting goal scoring chances whatever you were looking to get out of it is what I question more than anything I can't P- pardon me I can't put it all the way down to pure American Bumayang knowing that he knows what he can offer in that position period you know so if he knows that down the wing I'm basically going to be an, an old school winger down the line across the ball and I don't even have the prowess to do that knowing full well that Callum Chambers is probably going to overlap and then he's going to have to tuck in then he doesn't have the option on his left foot what are you really asking to get in the man as the manager in that position? So I I, real, I felt it was an error. I'm glad he realised it was an error and made the change 20 minutes in. Credit to Miguel for that. Credit to, to pierre Mercury for sticking it through I mean, He didn't have the best of games knowing he was started out of position. Some players normally just drop their heads and just be like, yo, I'm just waiting for you to take me off as a coach now. Nah, he kept kicking on and yeah, not his best game, but he tried, you know, and I like to see that as well. I like to see the manager atone for his mistake and the player make sure that I'm not going to make the manager look suspect at the end of the day you know the errors were errors and we conceded two early goals as we get to it we gave away two goals in that game where I think the first goal with Jesse Lingard it's one of those things where I feel he's not tracked well enough they they they, they knew how to attack the right side knowing that Callum Chambers is playing at the right side he's probably the weakest of our two fullbacks credit to them right when they come down that channel you expect either Jacques or Partey to be tracking into that zone right earlier on in the half you had seen it because it was still early in the half but early early in that half you'd seen Partey drop up to that part knowing that Pierre-American was struggling to track back, right? So, you know, party was crossing all the way over. Then you start to realize there's a hole there because, you know, parties pulled all over trying to put out all these fires. Who's going to track back that position? There was nobody there, right? Now you realise you're, you're going to have a problem there long-term if you don't have a, a, a fixed day. Are you going to have a, a, a wing forward who tracks back? Are you going to put in a central defence midfielder who goes and covers that space? Or what is it going to be, right? So we gave away a goal to Jesse Lingard there. I felt we won't credit on the two goals we gave away because there were defensive errors and lapses in concentration at the end of the day, right? When you look at it like, OK, cool, the free kick, that's literally we turned up, we turned up back on a team that has got the chance to score a goal against us and look what happens, right? They get the goal and then we have to go take that. We give away the ball, rather, for the second goal and third goal is if we, we give away the ball, you know, guaranteeing he's one of the most reliable football players we have at Arsenal, right? But when he gives away the ball, he starts to realise that there maybe aren't too many options going forward at the end of the day. So he doesn't have too many options to make it happen, even if he wanted to. So it's like sometimes we're going to have to take those losses and Miguel talks about it, those, those downfalls and pitfalls and opportunity costs of how we want to play, right? And we conceded goals that were silly as a result of how we play a little bit too naive sometimes i feel in how you want to play you know you have to be a little bit more conscious in, in, in situations like a free kick right don't turn your back on the opposing team thinking about how we're going to set up our wall, bro let's deal with the fact that is the dead ball still a dead ball cool then we can turn around it's okay now we got a chance to set our wall. Referee has acknowledged that all of that was just a little bit of naivety for me giving the ball away and not realize okay you have to put out the fire immediately don't let it build up to more it's not like they literally you give the ball away and they, it's one pass goal now there were still movements that you could have realized that if we negate these and give away a yellow card, yeah, yes, we gave away the ball, We're not gonna give away a goal at the end of the day, right? Working that kind of mindset I feel is gonna come in later as they develop. You know, you realize that they showed great courage yet again to fight back. We shouldn't have to be in that position to fight back from situations like that. Yet they they showed great courage to do it at the end of the day. We appreciate that and it's gonna build character too, you know, because down the line we're gonna be looking at looking at a squad where they know how to fight back in situations where maybe they have to fight back as a result of the golfing class between them and the higher teams that they're gonna be playing against in the Champions League by the grace you know next season if we by, we get there by winning the Europa League right yet I feel the gap for rest of too many players coming into a game where we have an international break leading up right after it, right, where it's a situation where I'm thinking, okay, if it was a, another Europa game or another league game right after that, and even if it's a week away from it, maybe, say, I'm going to have tired legs, but knowing at the end of the day, for some players, aren't going to go away on international break, that's a reality, some players are going to go on international break, yet you can have a conversation with international managers, say, please, once you've won the game, take them off, right, prioritise that for us, and we'll look out for you on an international friendly, that's not sanctioned, whatever the case may be, when you do need player right it's one of those things where i feel yeah, you could have you could have had a different conversation as club with yourself internally, and then had a conversation with the international managers, knowing what your plan was. Saying we need to win this game against West Ham because we're coming back against Liverpool. it would be great to come back three points and get that other three points against teams that are above us. Now we got a draw against West Ham. We literally have to win against Liverpool. Right? It's crazy, bro. So it's gonna lead us straight into guess the lineup and player ratings. I know they're a bit late, but yeah, <laughs> it's late. It's still great, Joe. Um, we had predicted a landslide win for Arsenal for a win and it's because I mainly had him making smart changes feeling as if Saka was doubtful for that game you play Pepe you play Odegaard and Emil Smith all behind and Ubu Mayang with a Danny Ceballos and a Thomas Partey reinforce your back line with Rob Holden Gabriel I even had Cedric Suarez in that team he made a couple of changes for that which actually impacted our points for the lineup because we only got four starting lineup check, like guess is right for that game one of our lowest tallies ever you know so with the bonus point for selection i guess is five yikes yet our player ratings uh leno for me in goal man he was poor for the second goal you know what i'm saying it was just poor goalkeeping at the near post knowing that you know the team is down lost the ball stupid yes free kick it's dumb you know what i'm saying we could we could have switched on there part of me and it wasn't it wasn't the quarantine he missed back pass. it was a free kick goal so okay they switched off right you as a goalkeeper should be switched on and realize okay there's a passing play the ball goes to the right fullback channel before it comes across now i could have anticipated if maybe you're thinking there's a cross coming yet you stayed at your near post which shows to me that you thought it was going to be a shot at goal, or rather i'll cover my near post in case they cross it my defenders at the very least are still alert enough to cover that danger zone there you stay at your near post ball comes near post and you're beating at your near post that's just poor goalkeeping you know that's just like rule 101 you don't get beaten at your near post as a goalkeeper bro look far too nervous throughout the game and it's one of those things where you know DT and them said you know you're prone to have one of those games as a goalkeeper one of your off nights I get it Yet, he's just not levels for Arsenal and it's something we need to make peace with sooner rather than later. Even those of us who advocated for it, Damien Martinez, unfortunately those two are going to forever be intertwined at Arsenal's destiny because of the decision that we made. Damien wasn't necessarily the better goalkeeper for the next five, ten years. He was just a better goalkeeper in that moment saying, I'd rather live with what Damien's mistakes are in, in, in relation to what he provides the team, right? I can't live with Leno's mistakes in relation to what he provides the team. Great show up stopping goalkeeper yet board distribution positioning concentration also sometimes an issue so we're gonna have to upgrade on that sooner rather than later so it was a five for me for bird lander not one of his best games callum chambers started at the right back position ahead of cedric suarez who I thought should have started yet he had possibly one of the best games i've seen him having an arsenal jersey knowing that he's, he's known for his ability to be a, i let, let, let's keep it real it's like the, the best thing you know about Callum James is at the very least he has some very good ball control, you know what I'm saying? He may not always come out because he may be nervous, whatever the case may be, but you know, he's tidy on the ball. He may not be the most athletic sometimes, he you know, may not be the most durable sometimes, You know, may not be the most composed sometimes yet. You trust him, you've seen him in the Keep The up, challenges and the likes, that ball control is something that he does have. He combined that so well with the other things we thought he maybe lacked. You know, the energy to go up and down, the positional sense to know where to be, when to overlap, when to stay back. Right. He contributed two assists. You know, brilliant going forward in that in, the, in that game. Right. And I felt like. He may still be poor defensively as it pertains to his defensive positioning, right? And just his spatial awareness because Miguel talks about playing him there. It'd be so great if he has that awareness of, say, Joshua Kimmich defensively because he will add that height and that physicality that he hasn't tapped into. He's tapped into the attacking sides of his game. yet. There's the defensive elements that he's got so much of a high ceiling and that all you have to do is just coach him up, right? Keep him fit, give him game time and coach him up, right? He could be something for us. I liked what I saw within, within him coming back from an ACR engine and doing that, that was brilliant. So that's a nine for Callum Chambers. You know, contender for man of the match. You pick how you want it. But there's three, there are three players who really stood up and made themselves counter in that game. And by the grace, we got three goals to come back from us. So look at the odds, right? Karen Tierney, unfortunately, wasn't one of those players where normally he's one of our standout performers. You can always depend on Kieran that even on his quote-unquote worst day, he's still a seven. I always say that. Unfortunately, he, he gave the ball away for the third goal, didn't react well. One of the players that did switch off at the free kick as well, along with the the Pablo Marines and the defenders that you would expect to be alert because they are defensive players, they should lead the line And that okay the attacking players. It should almost be an unspoken rule. There's one of those things where it also goes back to development coaching. I know it may be relative to where you develop, right? But it's literally the defenders, you check back to check what you know what I'm saying, is going to one with the wall, you know what I'm saying? The attacking players, you the one. There's literally one of you is designated to check with the wall. Not everybody has to check what's going on with the wall. So we're not all turned back, you know what I'm saying? Everybody's facing. Ball defenders are focused to see what could be going on, especially once they allowed the quick free kick to be allowed. You know, everybody started to switch out from there. Yet experienced players at the highest level aren't doing that. That was sad to see Karen Taney. Yes, you gave the ball away, did that, but you still battled well in that game late on. You fought on, and it was things I like to see. You know what I'm saying? I like to see that even when you are as tired as you want, and I feel you should be getting a rest. We don't have options at left back to rest you, right? In a game where if Chambers is starting a right going back, maybe start Cedric Sorres at left back, but we've seen that he's had a couple off games there and he's played rather well at right back that you don't wanna quote unquote reward him for that by playing in a position where he hasn't played well, which would give you more reason not to start him at right back, knowing that that right back who's starting now is performing well type thing. So I get that psychological, you know what I'm saying, approach that Mikael took to it, yet Kieran Tenney is tired. We're gonna have to get a backup in the summer else. This thing is not gonna work long-term, right? What we ask from our fullbacks and what we demand for our fullbacks and what Kieran Tenney does give us is literally a lot you know we need to have full backs that are so durable that in the premier league we have a set where we know 38 games quarantine you're gonna play plus FA Cup ladder stages plus Champions League ladder stages or, you know, the tough games in the group or even all the games if we are a tough group. I can deal with that, right? Then Kieran has those games knowing that the early stages of the cups and whatnot, you have your backup player playing there in games that are won and Kieran is going to have to get a rest because he's playing in the next league game. You rest him and you bring on that other player, right? That type of rotation is needed on both sides, you know, so we're going to have to have that balance on both sides. I feel we kind of have that balance body-wise and centre-back If Miguel picks Pets- the wrong game sometimes to use it because against West Ham was one of those teams where by the grace they don't have a physical threat, but they didn't have to use the physical threat, they used the counter the attack and physical threat of Miguel Antonio. Right, well, normally you would have seen them come with a more physical center forward and bully us, Andy Carroll type. now nah, we'll go with Antonio, he'll still bully you a bit, but he'll run you down, he'll run you ragged. And they did, you know, that's what allowed for the Jesse Lingard goal and whatnot. The movement that Miguel Antonio allows by drifting to the left side of the box and then it's open on the center side D line and then you know jesse can be there to score a goal so it's one of those things where i feel david Luiz starting ahead of rob Holdinho. again i don't get it because rob Holdinho should be taking should be getting all the minutes to prove his point that he should be playing there ahead of us going to go get a right center back or bring back william saliba and fast track his progress as our right center back right now if we have david Luiz playing there what does it mean bro because he looked off in that game right It's one of those things where when you're preferring him over a Dino, it's then what is our plan moving forward. And I think we should just take that that situation or that, that card away from me and say, move him on in the summer, bro. And then you have to deal with the fact that you have Rob Haldino, you have Saliba. If you're not keeping Saliba, then Mavropanos has to come back or you have to go get a right center back. You've got Rekic in, in, in the free transfer on the, the nominal transfer from here to Berlin. You have options at right center back. We shouldn't have to see a guy at his age that that David Luiz is, who's susceptible to giving you bad games, give you some of these bad games. But that was a five for me, bro. And for Pablo Marie, I feel for him because I would Rather, Gabriel play in those games because when Gabriel's level is taken down by David Luiz, it doesn't come down to a five; it comes down maybe to a six at worst. Right? He'll still give you some heartbeats with maybe a finish three-two because he'll give you a, a goal-saving something. You know what I'm saying? We'll give you a match-winning something. Yet Pablo Mari is not that level of centre-back. You know, he literally looked bang average. He looked the level he is where when he's playing with a better partner, he looks better. You know, he's a better backup centre-back because of that. Because if you have a shortage where maybe Gabriel is out for two or three games and then Marie has to play next to Rob Jordinho, he looks like a better player because Rob Jordinho can account for that slack that Gabriel normally accounts for him when Gabriel is there That's what partnerships are bro If you don't have that partnership when you have Luis and Marie bro Who's saving who bro? Who's fooling who bro? So that was a 5 across the board bro I really did not like seeing that because that was a game we really could have won and Miguel didn't take it as seriously where you have both of those centre-backs on the bench Brody, and you're starting these two? Come on mind them. come on Gabriel is not going away with Brazil Ravoldinho is not going away with England. What was that, bro? What is the rationale behind it? That was the one position where you don't rotate. Again, it's one of those things where old age-old adages in football, we don't really rotate a centre-back unless you have to because you know continuity within the spine, right? That was sad to see bro especially because the players can't be held accountable for the fact that the manager also made a mistake and starting the both of them in tandem right in midfield we had thomas Partey start who i was i was happy to see start because he is he is the key he's going to be the linchpin to our team moving forward and he was central to play in that game you know 103 total passes and everything was running through him he's the engine you know what i'm saying he's the engine realizing that he finished in 90 minutes Gradually coming back to form, we'll realize the best of Thomas Party will probably be next season. And if we can finish the season fit, finish the season gathering up a little bit more confidence and, and good form, you know what I'm saying, put in those sevens and eights and nines across, and then we'll start to see the true, the true best of Thomas Party on a consistent basis, you know. His shooting boots, unfortunately, are still in Ghana, so they're going to come there by him, because right now it's like, Brody, like, he's going to score you a goal on every season type thing, but he's going to get right, you know, because he's going to learn his position, that he does have enough room to take those part shots at goal, he'll train for those, he's one of those players that likes to improve, add more to his game as he's gotten along, at every stop he's been at, he's almost added something new to his game, one or two things, you know what I'm saying he grew at, 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 at Atletico as it pertains to his defensive positioning, was more of a CDM in the classic sense of just be the anchor man that puts out the fires, he knew now how to play in a centre-back and bring the ball up and, and start to transition and progress play in that regard because something that's going to benefit arsenal now now once you start to enter those other positions that he played in as a younger player he you starts to remember that okay i can actually have the license to take some shots at goal and create a bit more i like the fact that he plays more forward passes and he penetrates that defensive line so bro that was a seven for me yes he can only improve yet we're only starting to see like what he can really offer on a more consistent basis and it can only be he can only bode well for us as arsenal you know and Jacques started next to him when I thought Danny Sabayo should start next to him because Jacques form has dropped a bit. And we saw it in this game where he looked level off. You know, one of his poorest games we've seen in a, in, in a long while where he has had some shocking games. Yet he would always bounce back with a good one. Now that's two bad games on the bounce. And you're thinking, OK, now what? You know, because we're going to have to make a decision where it's like a Dido song, bro, featuring Kendrick Lamar, bro. Let us move on because you know you know what you have here you know you have a player that ideally would be great as a backup player in your squad, yet you can't really afford him to be a backup player with the mistakes he makes and what he actually earns as well so it's one of those things we are probably leverage him right now when the price is still high, get back whatever you can get back, you know, your 20 million, 25 million pounds that's a decent return, knowing you're probably taking ahead of about 10 million on the transfer fee no, never mind the wages, yet, you know you can move on and move him on to a better situation, let's get something better for our midfield, you know, speaking of our midfield, I don't get why we played Abu Mayang on the right wing position we spoke about that earlier in the part. He had a shocker you know. So we said jacques I didn't give his rating. That was a five. jacques for me was a I mean, part, I mean Uber Mayang part of I me mean, for me. Although he tried later on in the game, it's one of those things where that first 20 minutes was indicative of why if he's not playing up front, it almost doesn't work unless he gets that one quote-unquote theory and rechance on the left wing channel, cutting in on his right foot, and he's gonna put a top bins, and then we're gonna celebrate, right? Otherwise, it's really not gonna work on the wing, it really doesn't work. We've seen that countless times, and now we, we saw it in a game like this, where that was a five, because he was poor throughout, you know. He's literally, he's gonna be wasted out wide for a while, like, until we realize that, okay, start him down the middle. Like Miguel says, horses for courses, right? Some games, you wanna get behind the opposition, defensive lines, you play a Young because he can run behind and off the shoulder. Some games, you wanna hold up the ball and then bring the team into play because you're not gonna have the ball as much. You play like a Z because he's great at holding up the ball, right? And, and then they, they're friends, they're best friends, so then, okay, there's gonna be some games where you're gonna get subbed done for me while I'm still on the field. I might have to move into a different position. I'll be accommodated with you and still get the best out of you why not have that relationship within the ball club yes it'll, it'll cost us a bit more knowing that they're on higher wages yes but yet if they're in tandem and they know what they're doing in tandem you saw what the great Manchester United teams that we referenced four strikers even when we were in the invincibles you can literally name four forwards that could inter- interchangeable on any given night right? you know you have Terry Henry, you know you have Dennis you yet Nanku Kwanu and Sylvain Wiltor are also available for you in horses for courses There's some games where we beat Man United at Man United and you have Wiltor and kind combining for one-nil no win, and you're like, wow, we're winning the league here by us, bro. We don't have our two best strikers. That's the type of depth you need, bro. So you have to explore that option of a Young and Lacazette in tandem. You don't necessarily have to play them starting the game. Play players in their best position starting the game. And then later on, when it's literally throw the kitchen sink at it, then you can make those changes of three, four, forwards, and you have tactics that are maybe literally. You know, ad hoc like that, you know, you go gung-ho, I understand that, yet unfortunately you're going to penalize the player as a result of playing him out of position because he's going to get a five, you know, and that's poor from the captain in the derby, you know. is another player who I feel shouldn't have started because there was concerns about his hamstring leading up to the game, and you knew that he was going to get caught up for England, and I mean, I'm going to go back to the textbook of the classic managers you say he's out bro and then you tell england he's not even going to come to the physio because him coming to the physio with COVID protocols that's just risking too much his hamstring is bugging darling we have a week or two to recover we have a week and a half to recover him he'll be maybe be back against liverpool and then we'll talk about it then the other place that y'all can rotate hint hint maybe try Meal smith but then he was struggling with injuries i get it so it's one of those things where again i just wouldn't start i just wouldn't start in that game he did start him so looked tired it's one of those things where it's like, we say, why not rest him, you know? Yet he got to, you got a chance in the first half, should have put it away. He's one on one, you realize instead of, drill it low like he tried to do, dink it over, yet he just looked like a kid who was just so tired, so fatigued. He's literally 19 years old with the wall at his feet, and it's like, yeah, man, he's going to get way more of those chances. He's learned in that moment what to do, probably 2nd gifts himself as well. Yet I looked at it and thought, you know what, the manager should probably rest him for games like these, especially when you have that option of a Nicola Pepe, who's like a like-for-like like change, who offers something different as well, right? Where Nicola Pepe in that position probably does score that chance, doesn't always get in that position enough time, you know, when it comes to breaking that run from in behind, yet when he came on in the game, he looked lively as a result of what being hungry, knowing that Beppa plays ahead of him some games, and sometimes he comes in the game, right? It's dope to see, Brody. So, I would give Saka a six as a result of I won't put it all the way on him. He did miss that chance, he battled hard was subbed off you know so i think if he actually stayed on longer he probably would have ended up with a five level like uber but uber stayed on a little bit longer and he came off in the, for the 81st minute he just looked terrible basically for the whole game as a result of that so it's a five and a six for the homies on the wing udergaard was amazing down the wood down the middle part of me in the 10 and it's one of those things where it's like it's tough to see a muslim throw have to acquiesce and give up his role there yet you're seeing a player who's in the barometer for what we should be looking at in our squad especially in those attacking positions know, defensively you need more Kieran Tierneys, more Gabriels you know, a little bit more of what Chambers gave us for a game and a half. I like that there, you know. A little bit of what Rob Hordino's given us, you know, solidity-wise where his overall performance, if this was football manager, is averaging a seven and a half for a season. That's not bad, especially when you factor in that he put better players around him and he can maintain that level, and then he'll only improve as a result of having better players around him. Yet, when you look at Odegaard, you're like, that's a player that takes everybody's level up. You know, that's a player that literally, even on a bad game, it can be a game where everybody's you gonna see a two-three-no win. Yet it's Udegaard's type of level that's driving the team up. Him and Osaka and Martinelli. You know, I like those players. Emil Smith Rowe because it can bring the team's level up, and he did that in this game where he was the best, he was the best player on the pitch by far. You know, drove the attack forward with his runs and I would love to see us sign him. It's one of those things where the more we play him, the more we drive up his value. Yet if Madrid do well, and Zinedine Zidane does stay in Madrid, then maybe they don't want to keep them, they want to finance a move for, you know, one of the players that they've been linked in in Harland or Mbappe then we can give them that 35, 40 million that they're looking for. And then we can get us a number 10 and, and Will Smith-Rowe can actually fit in perfectly in the squad as a backup number 10 or backup in the right left wing channel, you know, and that would be dope to see across the board. So that was a nine for Urigar. That's a contender for man of the match for me between he and Chambers and the last man, man, the man up top. He gave us a captain's performance, led the line. And I really appreciate seeing that way he doesn't always get a start but when he gets the start he's accountable for the chances he gets he scored the third goal arguably basically caused the caused another goal and then the first goal as well i like seeing that you know in, a, in like i said you know that was a nine for me and it's a captain's performance again it's a conversation with Miguel. I said we should talk about his role in the squad as it pertains to in the summer yet he's one of those that doesn't mind maybe staying on a higher wage than he could probably get if he has to take a wage cut to be a starter somewhere else and then be a backup quote-unquote sixth man in this you know I always reference those things where certain certain sports are interchangeable like in basketball you have a sixth man somebody's going to come off the bench and give you that spark almost every single game right like Gazette is that type of guy where we always talk about the fact that you can take off one of your central midfield pivots and bring him on and go with two center forwards on field and you don't really change too much of your dynamic yet you threaten the opposition to change a lot of their dynamic. And then while doing that, you can still move him and bring him down the middle and then move Seaboumeyang down the left side after you've scored and then see how the game transitions from there. And then it's interchangeable. Miguel, early on in the season, was talking about the fact that there shouldn't be a formation, it should be fluid, right? Interchangeable, like they do in basketball, like they do in most sports these days, where it should be more interchangeable within positions. And I think the players will benefit from that as a result. You know, Emil Smith Rowe, I feel, didn't have enough time to impact the game the way he should as he came on because of that thing where he's now asked to play more centrally, having been moved out of a central position a bit, where it's tough for him to adjust. So he'll get a six off the bench. Nicolas Pepe came on around the, at the same time. It was actually a double change with Emil Smith Rowe and Nicolas Pepe. Yet I like the spark that he provides, knowing the fact that you are coming on in a place where Bukayo Saka has done pretty well in the past couple of games. Yet he was moved out wide and on the left side and then moved to the right side in the 20th minute didn't have his best game you come on as Pepe and you electric as you are. I mean he got two chances in that game where I felt if he starts more games he's more clinical yet he came off the bench and he added that spark and we talk about those sick men yet he's one of those where he's borderline right where you need those interchangeable players where that just keeps Pepe and Saka on their feet you know what I'm saying on their toes and there's some games where you start the both of them because you've seen what Pepe offers you on the left side where he goes more old school winger and then you have your inverted winger coming in on the right side and then you still have your overlapping third threat and knowing Pepe he's skillful enough to be able to fashion himself into more positions where he drives into the box as a result of driving with the ball. And then you have that threat of somebody who offers a little bit more versatility, and I think Miguel is missing the trick sometimes. And they're investing in playing the two of them together, and 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 looking and saying, okay, I have my two guys down the middle. Let me work out my creative pivots and where I get the most creativity from. And it might be an unbalanced, uncanny thing. Remember, the Barcelona squad had Iniesta on the left side, and most people looking like, why would you have him there? He's not necessarily an inverted forward as it as it pertains to trying to go forward. On that left wing channel he would cut in horizontally then play more in the 10 position allowing your central playmakers and your central and your central attacking forwards to go and drift into the wider positions and come back in there causing more havoc within the defensive lines and you can benefit from having that within arsenal knowing the value of guys like the smith throw and everything else you have within the squad so i don't know man that may just be me but that was the player ratings Mikel gets his player rating as well because he's gaffer bro um he's a little bit too nice to the lads i feel because is that little comment like makes at the start of the at the at the end of the game, right at the start of his press conference saying maybe the players didn't respect the manager's tactics enough at the start of the game and that's what led to them being down early. I'm like, but we've seen you guys be down early a lot of times. Is it maybe that where the manager gives you a set of tactics and you feel you know better because some of y'all even played with this manager, you know, and it's one of those things where maybe he is too lenient on them, you know? It's one of those things where you are the gaffer the box stops with you. Where if you're coming up against him and telling them yes West Ham are performing well right now, but they're gonna they're going to concede the ball to us and play us on the counter-attack. So respect them defensively and then look to break against them and they will open up in the second half. Y'all look to open up in the first half and get punished. That is on you. It's not on the manager. I can respect that. He did make the switches that he needed to, although he started up Young on the wing, which is something I didn't understand. We spoke about that. That's a little notch on his belt saying, I don't like that. You're going to have to fix that. Work out what it is going on with Abouma Young, like we said, and resolve it and let it be what it is. You know, Because for us to have to make those changes ad hoc on the fly, High, where you basically in a sense scared to make the change that you're supposed to make and maybe bring off one of them but now you can't bring off one of them because it's gonna disrupt maybe the harmony within the dressing room yet bringing off stage jacques to keep both of them on the field would disrupt maybe the balance on the field in that game i don't like that bro you got to work that out within yourself yet he made the internal adjustments he made the adjustments at half time especially i like to see that way you don't always have to make substitutions it's about the conversation of the tone you set as well where if you realize that their, their, their energies are just all address that before you address substitutes because your substitution may not necessarily change the energy of the squad unless it's an energy type of substitution when you know I'm bringing on someone who's a bit more effusive like a better who can change that that's why I like Lacazette like coming off the bench because he's an effusive guy energy wise he can change the tone of a game just off his energy and make people just tick on a little bit on a little bit of a different frequency you know you need those type of guys, guys within your squad coming off the bench especially so we should also look to invest in that you know that leads us nicely into The Liverpool game. (laughs) It's the 234th game, 233rd game against Liverpool for Arsenal. We've won 81, drawn 61, and lost 90. So it's going to be real. You know what I'm saying? It's going to be really, really, really real. We played them. It's going to be a nine o'clock kickoff at the Emirates. Um, for the for Liverpool in the last five games it's been a win with two losses a win and a loss so that's six points out of possible 15 we've had a draw with a win and a draw and a win and a loss so eight points out of a possible 15 when you look at the rub of that it probably should mean that we win off the back of drawing and Liverpool don't win two in a row on this run so we should win this game I pray yet across the board they've done pretty well you know the seven still knowing they've had a gag season to still be in that place where you're not shipping yourself all the way out of the European places yet. That's still decent, you know, coming off the back of winning the league, coming off the back of winning the Champions, like you, you've reached so many highs as Liverpool that you hadn't reached for a decade on, that for you to be in the position that you are now especially a come offence for you and a humbling season or two just to rebuild, to also look at where you can reassess and, and reset yourselves. You probably needed that and you could actually use that down the line you'll appreciate that the golden state warriors have had that in basketball and that may kickstart their dynasty to give it a couple extra three four years you know so for liverpool that may do the same for them yet we could we could potentially beat them now while they're quote unquote down and i like to see that let's see if we can I mean, we've done pretty well against them in the past couple games you know in 2020 alone we did pretty well you know And I feel that if we can kick that form over into 2021, we could do pretty well. Yet the first game of Arsenal versus Liverpool, just a little bit of revisionist history, was in 1893, October 28th, while we were both still in the League Division 2. It ended 5-0 to Liverpool, and it had to take us three more losses for us to actually beat them. So that's four games before we beat Liverpool, and we beat them September 2nd, 1905, when we were both in League 1, and we ended that game 3-1 to Arsenal. So... In the, it's one of those things we're talking about 2020, right? In the last four encounters in 2020, which is basically our last four games were in 2020, but in those games alone, they failed. They only beat us once, right? That was a 3-1 EPR win September 28th, right? Looking at that analysis, when we're just doing a little bit of research for this game, thinking, okay, we beat them 2-1 July 15, 2020. We beat them in the community shield on penalties, right? We came back, they beat us in that 3-1, and then we beat them again in the League Cup in October 1st. We're on a decent run of form against them where right now, the conversation should be, can we pick up a little bit more momentum going into that quarter-final against Salvia Prague because we're at home, and then put ourselves in a conversation where we win against Sheffield and we're there or thereabouts at about seven, eight, and we've taken a couple points of the teams that are ahead of us and we have some teams below us to face that we can still beat. We've taken care of business in the Europa League first round of the quarter-finals, and we put ourselves in better stead that mindset would probably lead to Mikael saying let's take this game a little bit more seriously than we took the West Ham game and actually make up for the West Ham game because when I had done the post post-part team talk at the end of the last podcast we talked about the last 10 league games and we did a little assessment of how many points we could take away from it well if you switch that West Ham and Liverpool result and say okay we will draw against Liverpool and be we'll draw against West Ham and beat Liverpool where I had said we will draw against Liverpool and beat West Ham we can still, I'll take that, you know what I'm saying? Because it's still a good start. It's two results, we'll be taking four points out of a possible six against two teams that are above us. Let's keep fighting on. So I think that mindset should lead to Mikel saying, let's take this game a little bit more seriously than we did take the game against West Ham, i.e. those rotations that he made, especially the center back. That leads me to my predicted lineup saying, Bert Lennar should be in goal because we don't have options to rotate in goal, although he hasn't had his best run form in Arsenal goals for a while. But it's one of those things where we'll do it right now until we can fix it when we can fix it Um, Callum Chambers has impressed me personally at right back where even if Hector's fit even if Cedric Suarez is fit I'd like to see what Callum Chambers can do in a first team setting where everybody in there is a first team player or playing as a result of having earned their squad in the first team where we're playing our best squad and you part of my best lineup let's see what you can offer there right Ditto for Rob Holdini, where he is our best right centre-back. He should start this game. Gabriel Margalis should come back in as well. Best left centre-back we have, right? Tierney has had to play a whole lot of games yet he's gonna have to play again at left back because he's our best left back play your best team against Liverpool and also gauge where you are compared to where they are right now yes they're falling and regressed a bit yet if you can beat them comprehensively you now know that you are level above where they are currently and you're closer to where they used to be if you're drawing against these lot then you realize that your level is possibly closer to that there where they are at well so if you improve you're still not yet a championship winner squad yet you're closer to the top four level that they're hovering above right or around I I get that so thomas party comes back in midfield <laughs> i digress danny sebayas for me should come back for Xhaka, because Xhaka's form has dropped, and you want to play against Liverpool where you want to play them on an equal footing. Where ideally, the best version of Arsenal is when we control the ball, even against good teams. We love to control the ball and be tidy with our position when we have it. Partey and Ceballos are both very good users of the ball, and I like how they can break the opposition's defensive line. And also, Daniel Ceballos, when he's motivated, plays very well as it pertains to the counter pressing game where he's an instigator, bro. He can put out a couple fires himself just by closing down people early enough to where they give up the ball. I like seeing that within the squad, you know. Martin Odegaard in the 10 should start. They say Bukaya Saka is doubtful, so I would like to see Beppe start. Put Saka on the bench and give him that last 30 minutes to come back from that and atone from the fact that you shouldn't have started him against West Ham. Let him come back gradually into the squad. If he is fit to play, then you do start him because he is basically our best player this season, so he deserves to earn his player of the season award and put himself in a conversation for the overall least player of the Season, although we are languishing where we are at this season right otherwise so if start, if is starting for me on the on the right side i start nico pepe on the left side if nico pepe starting on the right side i start Emil smith roll on the left side that's just what it is bro i don't want to see no boomer conversation otherwise martinelli or gabriel or nelson should get a look in there on the left side or on the right side respectively albumer young down the middle it's a game where i would love to see us hold up the ball more with the target man center forward as we should down the line you know three four years down from now yet i don't see him benching abu mayang to start like a zed where like a zed is the prototype for this game so let's give like a, uh, abu mayang a game where it's listen you probably not the perfect get striker for this game right we'll probably need to hold up the ball let's see what you can do let's try put the ball in behind a bit more let's get some running off the shoulder and see what you can do impacting the game in the way and you'll develop over time how you hold up the ball maybe it'll be different to how Part of me, a does it, yet you will also contribute something to the team in that regard, you know, because eventually we're going to have to see what he can offer us down the middle as a number nine or look to move on down the line because we know what it is that Lacazette provides for us. He's not necessarily your starting striker, yet coming off the bench and in certain games, holding off the ball, he's great. If Uba's not that, then who is going to be that? We need to go identify that, right? That's just what it's going to be. I'd have Matt Ryan on the bench with Cedric Suarez, David Luiz, Pablo Marie, Moel Neni, Granit Xhaka or Danny Sabayas depending on what you do in midfield. Again, Emil Smith-Rowe, you pick your poison, Pepe or Nelson on, in that in that channel depending on who starts then that's who should bench. Gabriel Martinelli should be on the bench as well with Lacazette or Bumayang, whatever you do up front as well. I don't know Miguel these days, I got four starters right for the last game so it's like Brody, yeah, I'm not even trying to play, pick them like that with Miguel right now but yeah. Yeah, man. I pray you've enjoyed it. This has been When Highbury Was Home. Um, I pray we win this game in, in memory of Claude as well. You know, it's one of those games that he gets fired up for. It's like I'm, I'm not sure, I'm not sure, but when we win them, he's, he's one of the first to really give the guys all the credit that they do deserve. So we're praying for one of those positive results, man. Please like, subscribe, rate, and review us on all DSPs where you consume your digital media content. This has been When Highbury Was Home, a Loud Blue podcast presentation and i'm your host true story thank you for joining us please do enjoy the game those of you who have traveled home please do travel safely when you do return from where you have traveled to over the Easter period otherwise be safe be blessed be blessed to be a blessing until we speak again peace